0: From Digitiki.com.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Tour d'Argent. A little alcohol on these turtle tidbits, and presto, flaming order. And now, ladies and gentlemen, from the Tour d'Argent in the heart of glamorous West 47th Street. West 52nd Street. We are happy to present the one and only the incomparable Mademoiselle Ginger.
0: Back to the Quiet Village. I'm your host, DigiTiki, coming to you direct from DigiTiki.com, broadcasting once again from the heart of the Quiet Village. Thank you for joining me. I have a wonderful show, got my Mai Tai right here right by me Where is, there it is okay sorry almost oh almost knocked it over got my my time ready to go I have a wonderful show that I have had in the works for quite some time I wanted to do this I know I always say it I wanted to do this for quite some time but it took a lot of gathering and research and and whatnot this is a show on restaurant records now if you noticed from that intro there it's all restaurant. Now, what do you think restaurant records means? Now, when I say restaurant records, even to collectors, LP collectors, they give me kind of a side eye and they go, what the heck are you talking about restaurant records? You know, it is, it's not a recording of the interior of a restaurant per se. And it's not the music that they play in the background at a restaurant. By restaurant records, I mean when you went out to the 50s. In the 50s and 60s, you went out to a restaurant. You took the family out. It was an experience. Uh, a lot of the restaurants at that point, it was upscale or it was just the family pizza joint at that point. Uh, it's It wasn't like we have now where we have semi-upscale, semi-fast food restaurants uh, that kind of fall in between. It was an event, and a lot of these restaurants, you know, they were upscale. It was a big experience. They also had live entertainment, and some of them, like the Mai Kai, uh, which survives today almost—that's a whole different subject. Um, they had a gift shop, and if you enjoyed the entertainer, if you enjoyed your night, you could take home an LP of that entertainer from that place, and the LP would say you know an evening at the such-and-such room or so-and-so live from the such-and-such restaurant and there was a fair number of those it was a wonderful promotional gimmick to get people to remember the restaurant and to come back like wow hey Martha here's an LP remember that from our night at that restaurant Uh, there was a lot and um You know, you have no problem finding live albums, live jazz, live rock and roll. Uh, There was, I'm going to keep this to Polynesian tiki and there were even some major labels that there were live, live performances released, and it was less about the restaurant that it was recorded at. It was more like, you know, like Don Ho Live on the West Coast, and then you read the liner notes and you see, oh, it was at the Coconut Grove. Which I'm gonna play later. Um, but it, it was an experience and it and it you know was something you could take home as kind of a souvenir, like your tiki mug. So, you know, you liked that cocktail, you could get the tiki mug that it came in. Uh, you could also take the record. So I'm gonna do those kinds of records. A lot of these you could only get from the restaurant themselves, which makes them even more rare. And so where to begin? <laughs> well, I guess we'll just start with my personal favorite. My personal favorite is an album that is... is—it's. I really enjoy this record, and I found it when I first started collecting L- Tiki LPs, per se, and this is back 2000, 2001. I found it strictly uh, at, a, at a swap meet, and I picked it up for a couple bucks. It was... An Evening at the Royal Tahitian. And it was the Royal Tahitian that was in Ontario, California, on a golf course. Sadly, I believe only a few years ago, the building was torn down, which sat empty for a decade or more. And this LP was sold only at the Royal Tahitian. And side one features all Polynesian music. It features the act called the Royal Tees T-E-E uh, a little hint to the golf course connection there and it's uh, I think they do Quiet Village and they do Samoan Drumming uh, Return to Paradise it's very exotica uh, and it's really cool. Flipside is, um, is the singer who I guess she was the main lounge act there her name and I love this name Henrietta Hank Hammond uh the live uh so side 2 is all Henrietta Hank Hammond at the uh the Royal Tahitian and the back of the LP shows pictures of people eating there it shows pictures of the of, of the performers and it's it's essentially a postcard from the Royal Tahitian and uh it's it is pretty rare the cover's really cool it's it's a it's an uh illustrated picture of fire with a tiki in the background this evening at the Royal Tahitian with the Royal Samoans, the Royal Tees, and Miss Henrietta Hank Hammond. So I'm going to play you one track from each side and you're going to hear it. This is obviously recorded in a studio and they just spliced and I mean like ham-handedly spliced in the applause because it just starts and stops and you can tell it was cut um, it's pretty fascinating, but it's it's wonderful anyway. So let's start off with the Royal Tees doing... Um, actually, let's do their version of Quiet Village, which is a very slow and very deep exotica. This was the house band. Um, it doesn't actually say if it was the Royal Samoans or the Royal Tees. Um, I'm going to assume it was the Royal Tees. Either that or they were henrietta hank hammond's backup i'm not sure anyway here is the house band for the uh, royal tahitian ontario california from the restaurant record only available at the royal tahitian called an evening at the royal tahitian so get your best outfit on we're going uptown and we're going out to dinner at the quiet village
2: Now we invite you to come join us and dance a little with
0: us. Okay, there it is. Two sides of the evening at the Royalty she gives you kind of an idea. Now, there is another song that Hank Hammond sings called, um, you know, Bill Bailey. You know, Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey? Won't You Come Home? She announces it as, here's a Samoan ballad about a little lost Samoan boy named William, and then they Swing it out, and she says, "Let's wake them up out on the luau grounds." So it's it seems like the royal Tahitian might have had outdoor stuff going on too. I know it was on a golf course, so maybe they had outdoor luau's on the lawn or the bar extended outside on a patio. I'm not sure, but uh, somebody else would probably know what the royal Tahitian was like. All right, let's move on. I'm going to do another twofer for one of my favorites, and I love this album because I love the cover it is let's see the name of this album is called um, it is called An Evening at Arnie's Lounge and it was a self produced record again I believe it was only available at Arnie's Lounge and the artist is Arnie Akanui and the Islanders now Arnie owned his own bar in Palm Harbor um, Palm Harbor, Florida, which I believe is on the west coast of Florida. In fact, in the intro, he says, in bustling downtown Palm Harbor. So uh, somebody out there who knows Palm Harbor could probably tell me more about uh, about Arnie. And in fact, Jeff Chenault, a really good friend of mine, an excellent uh, Exotica historian, actually met Arnie's son, who plays on this record. And this record is... It's cheesy, but it's good cheese. It's one of those that you just, you can't stop. And it starts with the cover, and the cover is priceless. It's it's Arnie with his legs spread open, and he's got, uh, he's standing almost like Elvis. He's got a steel guitar in front of him with a tiki under that with Lays on it, and he's holding a microphone, and he's standing on shag, orange shag carpet. Behind him is... Um, is Adele Edwards on the, on the organ and Arnie, uh, Arnie uh, his son, on the drums. And he looks like he's 12 years old, so he's very young. And, of course, they're backed with the, uh, what is that, uh, Samsonite uh, paneling. It's just, it's the, the cover is glorious. And the back shows pictures of Arnie behind the bar singing, and he was known as the singing bartender. And he put out this record and actually put out a follow-up, too. Um, I don't, sadly, I do not have that one digitized, but I'm going to play you two tracks from Arnie Akanui and the Islanders, An Evening at Arnie's Lounge. Here's the intro, and then we're going to go into a Hawaiian war chant right here on The Quiet Village.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Arnie's Lounge, bustling downtown
3: Palm Harbor. On organ we have the lovely blonde Adele Edwards, on drums, Arnie Becker, and myself, Arnie Ockanui. And we hope that you enjoy listening to this album as much as we
4: enjoy making it for you. Hey,
0: have it, arnie akanui from his bustling downtown palm palm harbor ernie's lounge and i believe you could only get that there as far as i can see a self-produced record if ever i heard one let's move on okay so now um you know again i don't know where to start i don't know what to do next so i'm just gonna kind of go down my list uh one of the records that's a restaurant record a Bonafide restaurant record was released by Jeff Chenault not long ago, and it is the Beachcomber Trio live at the Kahiki in 1965. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background on this. Um, uh, Jeff Chenault is from Columbus, Ohio, where the Kahiki was, and sadly, the Kahiki was torn down. Before I got a chance to get out there, and I I really kicked myself in the butt for that, but uh, it seems like an amazing place. There was this trio with vibes, uh, I believe, vibes, drums, and uh, guitar, maybe, maybe bass. I'm not sure what the instrumentation is, Um, but the Beachcomber trio, uh, he got to know the vibraphonist. And the marimba player from uh, the Beachcomber Trio years later, years after the Kahiki had closed. And it just so happened that he had reel-to-reel tapes in his closet, just sitting there for decades, of recordings of them live at the Kahiki. And it was glorious. And Jeff Chenault actually put out the record uh, on Dionysus Records. Uh, very, very familiar with Dionysus Records there. Thank you, Lee Joseph. Uh, it's called The Beachcomber Trio, Live at the Kahiki, 1965. It's got a wonderful vintage cover of A Waitress at the Bar at the Kahiki. It's a beautiful album. It's wonderful. It gives you a real taste. And the beauty of it is you can hear people in the background talking, chatting. You can hear dishes clinking while the band is playing. And if you listen really hard, you can even hear The Fountain. And it's wonderful. And Jeff shared this with me when he right before he released the album. And I'm going to share this with you. This is not on the album. Or actually, I should say, it's truncated on the album. This is the Beachcomber Trio in 1965 doing their version of Yellowbird. And this is the uncut version, which is, I think it's about two to three minutes longer than the one on the LP. So here you go. This is just unexpurgated Beachcomber Trio. And if you don't have this album, go get it. If you buy the LP, I believe there's still a few available. If you get it, you also get uh, a code to download the songs in high res MP3 so you can put them on your uh, your phone and whatnot. Here you go Yellow Bird, The Beachcomber Trio, all the way back from 1965, live at the Kahiki. there you go. The Beachcomber Trio live in 1965 at the Kahiki. And that was one heck of a find. So my hat is off to Jeff Schnall, especially for putting that out there. Moving right along, we're going to move on to another artist uh, that was fairly well known, Mr. Paul Page. And he was... Uh, how do you describe this guy? He was kind of a beachcomber unto himself. He was an actor. He was well known for being um, a ladies man and getting out there and uh, perusing with the feminine sex. Um, he w- had his own act. Uh, he you know, usually wore no shirt or very open shirts, looked like a sailor with a scruffy sailor hat, kind of kind of reminiscent of a slightly more shaven version of Humphrey Bogart in uh, in uh, African Queen. And he had uh, records that went for a lot of money because they were pretty rare. They were restaurant records. Um, but then they have been digitally released since then, thank goodness, because they are really cool. And and he would talk some of the lyrics and some he would sing. It's very casual, matter-of-fact kind of style. You're going to hear it. But the records, a lot of the records were the same record. They were just rebranded with a different cover or a similar cover, like Ports of Call. And that would be when he was at the Ports of Call restaurant, Pieces of Eight, because there, he was at a restaurant called Pieces of Eight... Um, there's another one called Let's Have a Luau, and I don't know if he was at the Luau at the time, but the covers are kind of brown and white, and, um, it's, it's really pretty cool, cool, <laughs> sorry, I said cruel, didn't I, it meant cool, sorry, that my tie's kicking in. So here we go, here, um, here is Paul Page from two of the records, The Ports of Call and Pieces of Eight, basically doing the, the... I guess you'd call it the title tracks to each of those. Right here on The Quiet Village.
5: Ooh. Ooh. of call So little time, and so much to see and to do. Where the song will sail along to home. So enjoy yourself, for the days are so few. Towards the
6: a million lights along the bay. You add a trillion stars, the Milky Way. And as you lift your eyes to the moon up in the skies, then you realize that this was meant to be. You take the magic of a tropic isle, mix in the sparkle of a sunny smile, then add a taunting bar from a haunting steel guitar, and your magic dream becomes reality. So you call it Pieces of Eight. The rippling song of silver in a stream And just like pieces of eight We will make this night a living dream So take me in your arms and hold me tight And let me dream till dawning's early light And though we say aloha Some sunny day I know we'll return And just as sure as fate We will live again and love again The magical pieces of eight
4: Let's go.
0: Okay, that was more of a tiki adjacent, but it definitely has a tiki uh, connection. That was the Fabulous Echoes doing a very Hawaiian song called One Paddle, Two Paddle. Now, the Fabulous Echoes were uh, were big in the 60s. They were basically a Hong Kong-based kind of a pop band, uh, and they put out this record live at Duke's. It's called Breaking It Up at Duke's. And the back cover says, From Hawaii in giant letters. And it talks about the band and how they were well received. And, and uh, you know, y- y- the tunes are very pop. You know, Wantanamera, Cuando, uh, Cuando, Cuando, Walk on the Wild Side, actually. And uh, that was the Hawaiian, one Hawaiian song they did live from Dukes. So there, there you go—the fabulous echoes—and I believe that record was 1967 is when it was done. So um, there you have it. We are definitely going to go into a two-parter here. I can already tell you because we are more than we—we um, we are way more than two-thirds of the way in here. So we're definitely going to go into a two-parter. But let's keep let's keep rolling here. I'm. Speaking of Dukes, let's just stay with Dukes for a minute. I'm going to do the one that all of you probably already know. And it was recorded live at Dukes. And it's it's one that hasn't been put out digitally yet. I would love somebody to put this out on CD. This is Martin Denny. And it's um, it's actually called In Person. And it, it was recorded live at Duke Kahanamoku's in... Waikiki, I guess, Honolulu. Here you go.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Duke Kahanamoku's on the beach at Waikiki. At this time, it is with great pride and great pleasure that the Duke presents in person on Liberty Records, the exotic sounds of Martin Denny.
0: All right, there we go. Live at Duke Kahanamoku's 1963, I believe. It's uh, Martin Denny's album called In Person. That's a Liberty Records release. It was recorded at Duke Kahanamoku's. I actually found a lot of records uh, recorded at Duke Kahanamoku's. I guess it was a popular spot to record. Uh, Well, you know what? My Mai Tai is empty. We have come to the end of another visit. This is going to be a two-parter. I am going to move right on to the second part of this um, restaurant record and live record uh, episodes. And I was grappling with what to leave you at the end. I thought I want to leave you with something really interesting at the end. And I figured out what it would be. And it's a restaurant record that is really interesting. It is called... uh, Hold on. Okay, had to grab it here. It is called... Bing and Kathy's African Safari, Terrat Metropolitan Area with Trader Vic and Helen Bergeron and Lawrence and uh, Leonora Wood. It's a 10 inch record that I've never actually seen in a record store. I mean, this is this looks like it was actually sold at Trader Vic's. It's a 10 inch record on one side is a six-minute song that Bing Crosby sings with a full band about their African safari. And I guess these three couples went on an African safari with Trader Vic, of course, and uh, put out this record. And on the flip side is Trader Vic himself telling us a funny story. And it looks like it was sold at Trader Vic's. I'm going to guess that it was. It's fairly rare. It's got a letter on the back signed by Trader Vic or. It's typed, and then it's got his signature stamp, and it was printed, but um, it's interesting. So I'm going to leave you with the voice of Trader Vic. Now, we rarely get to hear the voices of these guys. I mean, it's very rare to hear the voice of Don Beach, and it's very rare to hear the voice of Trader Vic. And here is a story that Trader Vic, he's talking probably to a luncheon, and I'm going to guess this record was done... In the early 50s, Um, it's mono and it's just a 10-inch. And uh, he's telling a story that happened in the 40s during the war about uh, buffalo, about getting buffalo meat. And uh, so it's rare that we get to hear that. So I'm going to leave you with a really cool little restaurant record from Bing and Kathy's African Safari. Here is side B with Trader Vic himself telling the buffalo story. Until next time, aloha. The reason
1: for this luncheon is to, of course, enjoy this buffalo meat, which I was able to get in Wyoming a couple of hours, which reminded me of a fantastic thing that happened to me back in 1943 when George Smith called me one Friday morning and asked me to get him some buffalo meat. And I said, George, George is sitting, incidentally, right over there. I said, George, what the hell do you want to... Uh, on me? Well, he said, it's a funny thing, but the Standard Oil Company is giving a dinner here a week from this Monday. And they had the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia entertaining them in New York. The uh, company asked them what they'd like to eat, and this prince... Picked a nickel out of his pocket, and he says, that's what I want to eat. (laughs) Well, it happened to be a buffalo. So George said, you're a hunter, and he says, you know everything about buffaloes. You get the meat. So I called up my friend in Denver, and uh, I says, I've got to have a couple of buffaloes.
4: I've got to have,
1: Jesus, and you know, you know a couple of buffaloes is uh, 4,000 pounds of meat. So, he says, gee, he says, I don't know. He says, I'll call my friend in Sterling, Colorado, and see what we can do. I'll call you back in a little while. So he called me back in a little while. And he says, they're all gone. He can't get any. But he says, Vic, he says, i tell you what we can do, you know. He says, there's two big elk in the park down here, in the city park, and I think I can get the city park. Let me show you. (laughs)
4: <laughs>
1: now, I said, that's no good.
4: Now, we've got to have buffalo. Now,
1: this is for the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia State Department and San with. We've got to deliver. Well, he says, I can't help it. This is about 10 o'clock Friday morning. This thing is going to happen a week from this coming Monday.
3: <laughs> so,
1: I got a hold of the Chamber of Commerce in Laramie, Wyoming, and they said, no buffaloes. But he says, wait a minute, there's a little fella down here that's got a market, and he's a pistol, and he's a great guy. He says, I'll give you his name, Dick Ludwig, Ludwig Supermarket in Laramie, Wyoming. So I called up Dick Ludwig, and I says, my name is so-and-so, Trader Vic. Oh, he says, I know you, I've heard about you. Well, I says, I've got to find some buffalo meat, enough for so many people, I've got to have the meat. Well, he says, that's two buffaloes. But call me up tomorrow. That's Saturday. So I call him up tomorrow. He says, I've got two buffaloes located. I says, shoot the guy.
4: <laughs>
1: well, he says, it's not quite that easy. I says, why not? Well, he says, they're down in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> Well so I says, well, let's get down there and get him. We gotta have them back. I've gotta have them here for Monday morning, a week from Monday. Well, it's not that easy. You know, he says these things weigh two thousand pounds. Well, I says, get the truck, get anything. We gotta have, them. I'll pay anything. Get get the buffalo. Well, all right. Well, he says, call me, he says, we'll do this. Call me about Tuesday. So about Tuesday, I called him up. And he says, gee, we've had a lot of trouble. <laughs> we've had a lot of trouble. He says, one of them we shot and he died like a demon. It was wonderful." But he says, the other son of a bitch fell down a precipice and he's way down in the bottom of a canyon.
4: <laughs> and he
1: says, gee, he says, it's 150 miles to the closest town and we've got to get a tow truck to pull him out. Now understand, fellas. This is not ore. It's not oil. It's meat. It gets tired. It gets rotten. It spoils. And we're trying to get it in San Francisco by month. So anyhow, I called him up the next day, and he says, "Well, we got it out of the hole." And and he says, "How do you want this ship? Oh, he says, "I said, don't worry about that." He says, "I said, don't worry about this. This is for the State Department." Hell, he says, "I'll have. I'll get it. I'll get it. Uh, we'll fly it out." Oh, he says, but we have to have a priority to fly it on. Well, I says, don't worry about that. I'll get the priority. Don't worry about that. So uh, I called up uh, who you call up about priorities. <laughs> and they says, my dear fellow, there's a war on. Well, I says, this is for oil for the war, for the State Department. The standard oil is only incidental in this thing. Oh, ho, ho, ho. That's wonderful, that incidental part. <laughs> but but we've got to get... Uh, I've got to get this buffalo meat here. Well, he says, you can call the commanding general at Denver, Colorado, and see what he says. And I got a hold of this fellow, and, and I told him that I was a consultant for the, for the Army and the Food Department, and this was a job that I was doing for the State Department. Well, he says, my dear boy, he says, don't you know there's a war on?
4: <laughs>
1: and I says, I'm very well knows into the fact that there's a war on, but I've got to do this job. Well, he says, if you'll get an okay from the State Department that we can fly this Buffalo meter, we'll be very glad to grant you a priority to fly the Buffalo meetup. So I'm back to Dick Ludwig in Laramie, Wyoming, and I says, how are you coming, Dick? Oh, he says, gee, he says, if I'd have known that this was this much trouble, he says, I wouldn't have taken on this goddamn job. He says, he says, I got buffalo meat all over the butcher shop. He says, do you know how much, how much, two thousand pounds of buffalo meat is? We got it all over the butcher shop. Two of the butchers quit. They says, take your job and the hell. He says, I quit. He says, We're in trouble. I've got to skim this stuff up. And I said, Do you think you can get it on the train by Friday? Well, he says, I don't know, but he's a complicated animal and it's it's big. And we've just got to get the snakes out of it. We don't need the hind quarter, we don't need the shoulders. There's a lot of butchery. And this poor little guy has got a I've seen his shop and it's about as big as the back section of that restaurant over there. And he's in trouble. So, finally, Friday morning I called and he says, Yeah. We got her on, and she's gone. She should get in there Sunday. So, Friday, it's wonderful, it's gone. I got a hold of Joe. Joe will remember this well, because it's the first pheasant he ever cooked, killed, rather. Called George Smith on the phone. I said, George, how's the buffalo meat? Jesus, the buffalo meat! Where's the buffalo? This dinner is Monday night. We haven't got the buffalo meat. (laughs) So I said, Jesus, George, I'll check on it. So I called up the Southern Pacific and I asked him, I said, say, we've got some buffalo meat on the the train that come in from Laramie Friday. Say, fella, if you want to come down here and find your buffalo meat, but we're not going to be able to untangle this thing for three days. Well, I says, this won't do. Well, he says, if you'll, what section of the train was it on? What section? So I called up, It happened that there were three sections on this train, three trains instead of one. This is wartime. So I called up my friend in Laramie, and I says, Dick, I says, find out what train this left on. He says, call me back in a little while. I says, I'll call you back in a little while. So I called him back in a little while, and he says, it's on such and such and such. And I called the fellow back at the American Express well, he says, fella, he says, there's three sections to that train. It doesn't mean a thing. So I got a hold of the head man of the American Express, and I told him that we've got to have these buffalo, this buffalo meat, and it's for a certain purpose. And he says, Vic, he says, I know you're in a bind. Let me take care of it. I'll personally go down. And I says, will you do me a favor? Phone me when the meat is delivered. So oh, Jesus, I'm pretty tired, and I fall asleep. And at 3 o'clock in, this mor- in the morning, this fellow calls me up. He says, the meat is at the Mark Hopkins Hotel. This is Sunday night, 3 o'clock in the morning. The meat is there. And I went over to the, to the Mark Hopkins Hotel, and the butcher had meat on every chopping block in every place. Now, understand, fellas, this meat, from the time it was killed has never seen one ounce of refrigeration. <laughs> I thought we'd see slime and trouble all over. We went over there and the meat was absolutely beautiful. It was fantastic. So God do I had myself photographed with the chef and the fellow who wrote the story for the newspapers instead of saying, I sold the, I got the buffalo meat for George Smith, no, the fella couldn't do that like all newspaper fellas. They get it all twisted. They said that here's Trainer Vic showing the chef at the Mark Hopkins how to cook buffalo meat. And the fella wanted to quit. He wanted to resign all through. And he challenged me to a duel. He challenged me to a cooking duel to see whether I could cook better than he would. And that's the buffalo story. <laughs>